episode as I come to you live here on the podcast. How is everyone doing? Hope you all had a great weekend. Hope everybody enjoyed this spring-like weather here on the East Coast. Kevin Wolf, glad to be back behind my RE20 microphone chatting with you about what's happening in the world of sports as we have a lot to do on this podcast as we got to watch Mike Krzyzewski coach his final game this past Saturday night at Cameron Indoor Stadium against his arch rival, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, in a game that was nip and tuck in the first half, a game where Duke led 41-39 at halftime, and then North Carolina found a way to play up-tempo, they found a way to hit some big shots in the second half, and they found a way to pull away and upset Duke by a final score of 94-81 to in a game where UNC was an 11-point underdog. And it wasn't the way Mike Krzyzewski wanted to end his reign at Cameron Indoor Stadium with a loss. And he was very upset by that as when the postgame festivities began, he took to the microphone right away when him and his family got to center court and he apologized for the team's lack of preparedness and he apologized for the horrible second half and told the fans that it is inexcusable and that they have a season to continue and that they will be prepared from here on out. And a lot of people this weekend were making a big deal that Mike Krzyzewski did that. They were saying that he was throwing the team under the bus. They were saying that that wasn't a professional way of going about things in a final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium before he hangs it up after 42 years coaching the Duke University Blue Devils, 42 years at one institution. That's incredible in itself. Only Jim Beheim beats that with 46 years at Syracuse University. So Mike Krzyzewski, who's been a big name in college basketball, when you think of the sport, you think of Coach K. When you think of the NCAA tournament, you think of Coach K. When you think of Duke, you think of Coach K. Hell, they named the court after him, Coach K Court. The hardwood is enshrined with Coach K's name on it because of the legacy he has left on the Duke program. But I can't get mad at Coach K for doing what he did on Saturday night. He's a proven winner. He's a fantastic head coach. He's one of the best we've ever witnessed. I understand Wooden with UCLA. John Wooden has 10 titles. Coach K's got five. So Coach K is second best to Wooden, in my opinion. 
and a lot of people were going on social media and bantying about the fact that, you know, why would Coach K do that on what was supposed to be a special night? Why? Because the fans were shell-shocked. The fans weren't expecting Duke to lose that game. The team, I don't think, was expecting to lose that game, let alone Mike Krzyzewski. So you want me to come to the microphone after the game and you want me to pound Krzyzewski like every other social media outlet, talk show host, media critic, sports columnist is doing right now? I'm not going to. I'm looking at the other side of the spectrum here with this. He was pissed off, he was angry, and he had all right to be annoyed. How do you want to sit there and relish in post-game festivities that are honoring you and all of the success you brought to a program for 42 years when you just got beat out of the building by a UNC team that was 11-point underdogs and not even expected to win the basketball game? How do you expect anyone to come out and be happy for post-game festivities when you just got knocked out by an arch-rival in USC, a team you played a month prior and won by 20. Duke could not keep up with the up-tempo pace that Carolina threw at them in the second half of this game. They missed some key shots down the stretch. Their defense was nowhere to be found. They let Carolina crash the boards. They let Carolina get into the paint, and they let Carolina hit the three-point shot, which really was the lights-out statement that Carolina needed to make with Coach Hubert Davis to tell Duke we're back, and now we're going to position ourselves for a better spot in the NCAA tournament. Look out. The ACC could be ours this year, and that was the statement Carolina made. So I can't come on the microphone today and kill Mike Krzyzewski. I can't come on the microphone today and lambast Mike Krzyzewski for calling out his team in post-game festivities when his team deserved it in the worst way. They weren't prepared. They didn't make the adjustments at halftime with a two-point lead to continue the momentum they had to play a competitive second half. They got bamboozled by a team that played better than them, by a team that made the adjustments by a coach who was hungry and ready to fight, which he said all week he was going to. So you can't blame Krzyzewski for being annoyed. Mike Krzyzewski's got an unbelievable resume that he has built with one program. And if I had the resume Krzyzewski had, I would be downright embarrassed too for what I witnessed in the second half of that basketball game. And now Duke finds himself going into an ACC tournament, having an opportunity to win another ACC championship, and possibly positioning themselves for a really high seed in the NCAA tournament. And that's going to be the storyline. A lot of people love the NCAA tournament, and it is the second best tournament outside of the Super Bowl for playoff implications in any sport. And the field this year is going to be wide open. But when you look at this tournament, I think the biggest storyline is going to be how long can Mike Krzyzewski continue his streak of championship caliber basketball? And can he get Duke to a Final Four or an NCAA championship to make that exclamation point and to send him out with six NCAA titles 
under his belt. That will be a fascinating storyline, and that'll also be must-watch television with whatever time slot Duke plays in throughout. And I get that Duke has a love-hate relationship with many people who watch sports or enjoy college basketball. I get a lot of people want to see Duke lose. I get a lot of people don't like the fact that Mike Krzyzewski's had this team on the back pages of newspapers as an elite. I get a lot of people love the underdog story, and the underdog story has always been fun when it's come to beating Duke and pushing Duke out of a big game to advance. I get all of that. But this year is going to be a little bit different. And I think even if you don't like Duke, you have to root for them because of the Coach Krzyzewski factor. You have to root for them. And it is going to be fascinating to see how the remainder of this season with the two tournaments, the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament, play out. And I get there's many great college coaches. I get we saw a lot of success with Lou Olson and the Arizona Wildcats. I get Eddie Sutton had a ton of success with the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I get the success that Jim Beheim has had in Syracuse. 46 years under his belt, he has turned Syracuse into an amazing storyline and a fantastic institution to play basketball in. Tom Izzo with Michigan State and the success he's had. Roy Williams with UNC prior to UNC Kansas with all the winning success he brought to both programs. So there's a lot of big-name coaches I've mentioned in college basketball. But when you look at Krzyzewski, he's a little bit bigger than them guys. He has a fantastic ability to recruit top-tier college basketball players, instill the system he wants, and get them ready as big names in the NBA, in the draft lottery. And Coach Krzyzewski has been very successful at doing that. Very successful. He had three number one overall picks in the NBA draft. 99, he had Elton Brand. 2011, Kyrie Irving. And 2019, Zion Williamson. And look at the impact Zion Williamson has made in the National Basketball Association. Look at what Kyrie Irving has done. Look at what guys like J.J. Redick has done. Mike Dunleavy Jr. There's been a ton of names that have come through Duke University and have really immobilized themselves to be top-tier athletes in the sport of basketball. And a lot of that has to do with the ability and, and the mentorship that Mike Krzyzewski has had on their lives. When you watch some of these guys, like the Zion Williamsons, like the Kyrie Irvings, like the Elton Brands, like the J.J. Reddicks, when you watch a lot of these players develop at Duke and succeed because of the system he puts into place, and then you see them transition to the NBA, 
and it is an easy transition for them because they all turn out to be studs in the sport. Not too many coaches can do that. Nick Saban has the pedigree to do it with Alabama, to take a college player, institute his system, succeed well in it for the time the player's there, and then let him go to the NFL and use all of the implementation garnered on the college level to succeed at a high level in the National Football League in a short time frame. Saban's good at doing that on the college football side. Krzyzewski's good at doing that on the college basketball side. Bill Belichick is great at doing that on the NFL side with the New England Patriots. Look at what he did with Mac Jones, who excelled in Alabama and was a phenomenal quarterback, and he made that quarterback succeed to a level that he looked like he had 12 years' experience under his belt when he ran the offense for the New England Patriots in one year. That's good coaching, my friends. That's good coaching. And in the NBA, we've seen it with Popovich. We've seen it with Pat Riley. We've seen it with some older coaches. So every sport has had that leader that's become a staple to that franchise team college, or university, and has made an impact. And when you think of college basketball, nobody's made more of an impact than Mike Krzyzewski. What he has done in 42 years, I don't think can be done by anyone else to ever step foot as a head coach with a university. And the thing I took out of Saturday that touched me deeply being the sports junkie that I am, a lot of these guys make it all about sports. They're for the sport. That's all they care about. That's all they want to live, eat, and breathe. Whether it's an NFL coach, whether it's an NBA coach, whether it's a college coach, whether it's a hockey coach, you name it, that's all they care about. 24-7, seven days a week, 365 days a year, Possibly a week or two in an off season, they veer away from it to to be a father figure, to be a husband, to do something other than entrench themselves in what they love, and that's coaching and finding ways to make a team better and win a championship. Mike Shashevsky was so good at doing that, but he was a family man first, and not too many people as a leader these days in the sports world, can say they're a family man first. Doesn't happen often, but Coach Krzyzewski is. And the sacrifices his family had to make for 42 years and the partnership that the family has also had with the university is probably something you won't see for many other institutions in this country. And he said in the post game that him and his wife are going to stay on as ambassadors. He's going to continue to be that mentor figure. He's going to continue to guide players. He's going to help John Shire, who's going to take over for him in the transition. We know there was some behind-the-scenes turbulence there between 
Krzyzewski and the college president of Duke because the college president of Duke wanted Tommy Amaker, Krzyzewski wanted Shire. After 42 years of his footprint on this university, Krzyzewski won the battle for Shire to take over the reins as head coach after his final game with Duke this year. I'm just going to give you a few things Krzyzewski has done that really catapults him into a different sphere when you talk about elite top-tier coaches in college basketball. And not too many will have this on their resume. 35 NCAA tournament appearances. 24 consecutive tournaments he's appeared in with Duke. 15 ACC men's basketball tournament championships. 13 ACC regular season titles. He's the three-time Naismith College Coach of the Year. He's got 15 30-win seasons and a total of 75 losses at Cameron Indoor Stadium with the most recent to UNC. He's appeared in nine national championship games, and he's won five of them. In 91, he beat Kansas 72-65. In 92, back-to-back, 91-92, he went back-to-back those two years. He beat Michigan 71-51. In 2001, he beat Arizona 82-72. In 2010, he beat Butler 61-59. And in 2015, which was a classic against Wisconsin, he beat them 68-63. That is some resume for a Hall of Fame head coach in Mike Krzyzewski. And not too many people can accomplish all of what he's done in that time frame. So we're going to bitch and moan about him calling out his team in a game that they were predicted and supposed to win as 11-point favorites? We're going to bitch and moan that he called out his team on a night that was supposed to be celebrated for him, his accomplishments, and everything he's meant to this sport. I just read you everything he's done. A majority of everything he's done. To me, he had all right to call his team out. Because when you win as much as he wins, to suffer a loss in the magnitude they did against UNC, that'll be a bullseye on his back for a very long time as he goes off into retirement. And that's going to sting and hurt him for a very long time. And you watch. This team is going to be exciting to watch in the tournament. They're going to be physically and mentally prepared for every single game. And I truly believe, as much as I love the underdog, as much as I love the Cinderella story, as much as I think the NCAA tournament is one of the most exciting tournaments to watch in all of sports, I have a little feeling that I may be on the Krzyzewski train and root for them the rest of the way. How can you not root for the guy? How can you not root for the guy? 
So I personally thank Mike Krzyzewski. I personally appreciate everything he's brought to the college basketball landscape. And I also appreciate what he's done for the sport, the university, and for the United States of America by winning three gold medals for the Olympic basketball team. That, my friends, is a Hall of Famer, a giant, and a king to many in the sports world. So let's continue to immerse ourselves and ride the train with Duke to see how long this storyline can continue for the remainder of this NCAA basketball season. Now, if you're not a college basketball fan and you're listening to the Sports Buzz, this pre-debut episode, Passionate Sports Talk for the Hardcore Fan, any thoughts, feelings, or opinions you want to discuss, you can reach out. SportsBuzzShow1 at gmail.com. That's SportsBuzzShow, the number one at gmail.com. I'll be available for all your thoughts, feelings, questions, whatever you want to throw at me about the world of sports, the podcast, the patheticness of Major League Baseball, the doldrums of the NBA, the NFL Combine, which I haven't watched a minute of, the NFL Draft that's coming up that should be exciting, and the embarrassment of Major League Baseball. What are we, day 98 of this lockout? And both sides still can't come to an agreement. We've already missed a week and a half of spring training. They've already canceled the first six games of the regular season. We have a war in Ukraine where innocent people are dying every day. But we have baseball players who are pissed off because they're not making enough. They don't feel the incentives are fair. Or we have owners, particularly here in the Northeast, who don't want to play baseball in April, who don't feel the support's there for the first month of the sport, who've already seen the sport play 60 games and know that they can get a championship with a 60-game season and know that they can have a World Series champion. There's no drive on either side to make a deal right now. And you think the sport has slowly faded? It is going to take hills and mountains to climb to get Major League Baseball to be significant again. There are so many hurdles affecting this sport right now that I think the year of 2022 could be the year that derails the sport and could be the year that forces them to seriously sit down and try and fix all of the pieces that have plagued them for so long. You've lost the younger generation. You're not a sport that's succeeded globally. The NFL does. The NBA does. Heck, even the NHL does. Major League Baseball doesn't have that global appeal. The games are way too long. They're too slow. They take forever to play. 
people are tired of seeing 20 different pitching changes in one game. There's a lot that needs to be fixed to get this sport back to a competitive sense of reality that the fans are going to enjoy and welcome. And this lockout has only made this problem more severe and has forced baseball to take some action. You have the NCAA tournament starting. You have a lot of big golf events starting in the month of April. You have the NBA season winding down and getting ready for the postseason. You have the NHL postseason. Heck, before you know it, you'll have NFL preseason football. You have the NFL draft. You really think anybody's going to care about Dodgers-Giants in July? Yankees-Mets in August? Braves-White Sox at the end of May? This lockout has left a lot of people sour on the sport. It's killing the sport financially. And it's left a lot of fans bitter. And if I'm Rob Manford, I'd be embarrassed with what's occurred over the last 90-something days. But if I'm the Players Association, I'd also blame some of these big mouths who go on social media and rip the league constantly and let Boris, who's an agent for a majority of these big names, get in the way of the negotiation process and allow him to have his input impede the negotiation process. Since when does the agent have so much say? He don't work for the sport. He works for the player. I get that. But somebody's got to bend here. Somebody's got to put their foot down. And that starts with the commissioner. And you know what? The rate this is going now, I hope, we don't see baseball this year, and I'm a Met fan. I was thrilled with the Buck Show Walter hire. I was thrilled that they got Max Scherzer. I'm feeling extremely confident that we're inching ever closer to a World Series title and a ticker take parade down the Canyon of Heroes. I couldn't be more excited to get ready to watch this team. But as a fan, Having all of this baggage with the lockout, with the financial hardship that's occurred, with all of the things that need to be fixed to make the game more enjoyable for the fan at every level, it is going to be very hard for me to get behind a TV set and enjoy any of it. And the fan should be the one that's outraged the most. They're the ones paying 60-something dollars to park their car. They're the ones buying season tickets. They're the ones going to the concession stands for the $12, $13 beer and the $10 hot dog. They're the one buying the $130 jersey so they could support the player that they admire and adore throughout the season and cheer him on when he gets a big hit. When he scores a big run. You owners want the fans to show up to the ball games. You want the fans to support 
the billions of dollars that you've invested in the franchise, but you don't care less that this lockout's obliterated the sport right now. And then you got the players who've just had five months of an offseason who wine and dine themselves, who've got three or four mansions, who drive top-tier sports cars, who make millions and millions of dollars and wouldn't know what any average everyday citizen goes through or what hardship they're facing or what struggle they have of putting food on the table. And their gripes are, well, one of their gripes is there's not enough incentives from TV revenue in the postseason. Get lost. Get lost. Baseball's got to do something about this, folks. And I think the further this goes on and the longer this goes on with this lockout, the more fans are going to turn away from the sport. And I don't blame them. It's bad enough you can only get about 12,000 in Camden Yards right now. What's the owner, Peter Angelos, going to say when he has 4,000 fans showing up at the stadium and you're on the brink of bankruptcy? Huh? What are you going to say then, Peter Angelos? How do you think Steve Cohen feels? The billion-dollar owner that's stamped his name on a franchise that's been utterly embarrassing to a sport for so long he comes in and spends all this money and he has a brand new manager in Buck Showalter that can't even meet the team, introduce himself, or get the team ready to go. And he's got one of the best one-two punch in the sport with DeGrom and Scherzer as the top two in the rotation. It's disgusting, folks. And you know what? Both sides now deserve everything they get. They deserve everything they get. And I myself, I'm at a point now where I hope it doesn't get resolved. Because if it gets resolved, it's going to be very hard to digest and very hard to try and root for a team that you have so much hope for this season after everything you've witnessed over the last 90-something days with this lockout. Whoever thought the L.A. Lakers and Frank Vogel would be 28-35? and 35? Whoever thought LeBron James and the Anthony Davis tandem with the L.A. Lakers would be spiraling out of control? Whoever thought that you'd have on-again, off-again murmurings of Frank Vogel's job being in jeopardy? Whoever thought you'd need LeBron James to put up 56 points on Saturday night to beat the Warriors and try and cement themselves in position to be a play-in game as the NBA postseason approaches. Whoever thought you would have a team like the L.A. Lakers be as inconsistent as they've been. Wow, has that been a fascinating storyline. And is it LeBron James last year with a Laker jersey on? Will he go back to the Eastern Conference? Will he try and make the Eastern Conference as competitive as we've seen him make the Western Conference? We know what he's done in Cleveland. 
We know what he did with the Miami Heat. We know he got the championship he wanted with the Lakers. But maybe, maybe now, he sits back and says, I've overstayed my welcome. Let me go somewhere else. He also don't have to work a day in his life. He can retire. He could fade off into the sunset. He could focus more on his production company. He can focus more on what he wants to do outside of his NBA career in life. But whoever thought we would see a LeBron James-led basketball team be in dismay and in peril the way the Lakers have been. Wow, how things are changing on the West Coast. And then you have the East Coast team, the Brooklyn Nets. You have an overrated head coach in Steve Nash. You lose to the Celtics 126-120. to You're a game under 500 at 32 and 33. You're on the cusp of losing postseason positioning outside of being right now in a position to be a team in a playing game in the NBA postseason. And you let Jason Tatum of the Celtics drop 54 points on you on Sunday afternoon. Wow. No wonder why James Harden couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. No wonder why James Harden goes to the 76ers now and becomes a fascinating watch with Joel Embiid to get the Sixers possibly to an NBA Finals and get the city of brotherly love an NBA championship. And how fascinating is it going to be To see James Harden, who's already had an effect with his playability with the Sixers, how fascinating is it going to be to see him take that to the next level with Joel Embiid and finally get the Sixers to that goal of winning an NBA championship? He's not too upset about leaving Brooklyn, is he? What do you think Seth Curry's going to say when the Sixers are playing in the conference championship and he's packing his locker in Brooklyn wondering why he was ever traded? Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics scores 54 points on you and you lose the game 126 to 120. The Nets were supposed to be a top-tier team in the Eastern Conference and they're one game under 500. As the NBA season winds down to its final few weeks. Kyrie Irving's been a big distraction. The team hasn't gelled like they should. And you have a head coach who's overrated. Wow, that's success if I've ever seen it. And then you have a Nick team who's just blown game after game and lead after lead with a head coach in Tom Thibodeau who's looked lost, with a team that hasn't gelled, and with a fan base that's disgruntled again, that it's same old, same old, with another losing season. So we had the Coach K event to zone in on this past Saturday. 
We had the depression of baseball to be pissed off and angry about. And we had the joke and embarrassment of what we witnessed here with the NBA over the course of the last few weeks. And outside of that, the sports world is beaming. The Rangers beat the Devils 3-1 to Friday night as they try to continue their reign towards the NHL postseason. And can they make a deep run to the Stanley Cup Finals? The Islanders will not have any postseason aspirations this year. Sadly, the Devils, a team that should have been eyeing the postseason, has underachieved drastically this year. And sadly, there won't be any postseason play for the New Jersey Devils this season with the NHL. So the sports junkie has the NCAA tournament to look forward to, has the NBA postseason to look forward to, has the spring and summer months weather-wise to look forward to, can zone in on the NFL draft, can get ready for preseason football in August, can watch the Stanley Cup finals aggressively, can hope that the NBA finals gets a good rating, and can totally erase baseball out of their mindset. So the sports junkie has all that to look forward to over the course of the next few months. Again, this is Kevin Wolf, pre-debut episode of the Sports Buzz. I thank you all for tuning in. I thank you all for your continued support, your continued dedication for passionate sports talk, for the hardcore fan as we try to grow this podcast, as we try to enhance what we do here on a regular basis, and as we try to bring you hard-hitting, thought-provoking sports talk you won't find anywhere else. SportsBuzzShow1 at gmail.com is our email address. SportsBuzzShow, the number one, at gmail.com for all your thoughts, feelings, and opinions on everything that's happening in the world of sports. You can shoot me an email, and I will respond back. And eventually, we will be going to a video stream on YouTube and making it available as a podcast entity for audio playback and distribution as a second option once we do go to YouTube. But we are right now just an audio property, and we are continuing to try and grow this podcast and make it the most enjoyable sports outlet we can on a regular basis because you. The listener deserves it, I enjoy it, and we all together as sports junkies can come to this podcast daily to have fun and chat about what's happening in the world of sports. We'll also down the road get the Clubhouse app going, which is an Android iOS app, which will allow you to come into a room that I create and chat with me directly about what's happening in the world of sports. It's sort of like a room that we'll set up. We'll do a live podcast, and you'll be able to directly come up on the stage and ask me questions about what's happening in the world of sports or if you want to talk about questions with the podcast, whatever you want. We'll set that up on occasion, too, and we'll 
chat with you that way also outside of the daily email that you can send to sportsbuzzshow1 at gmail.com. Enjoy your week. Let's hope that baseball can get an agreement going. I don't think that's going to happen, but let's hope that there's some momentum there that we can get the game started. And I'll be back with you soon for more sports talk on the Sports Buzz. Kevin the Mayor Wolf, adios until next time. What's the owner, Peter Angelos, going to say when he has 4,000 fans showing up at the stadium and you're on the brink of bankruptcy? Huh? What are you going to say then, Peter Angelos? You own the Orioles. You're a billionaire.